Hey y'all, this is the seventh episode of the Southern Lodge Podcast. Today, Danny and I will be discussing issues that were debated at the SEC spring meetings. We'll also talk about legalized gambling and how it could affect the college product. And to add to the Southern Lodge debate section, we will give our top three baseball players to play in our lifetimes. So pull up a chair to the fire and welcome to the Southern Lodge. Hey everybody, Uh, as y'all know, we live in SEC country and it never sleeps in here. There's always something going on. And this past week they had the SEC spring meetings down in sand, destined the warm, tropical, sunny, sandy, beachy area. They discussed numerous topics down there. We're going to talk about those and give our opinions because we are all commissioners of the league. Uh, But... First off, I want to talk about a, a subject that could affect Danny and myself coming up in the, the coming months, the stadium alcohol sales. Right now, you cannot purchase alcohol at SEC stadiums unless you pay the big money bucks for a private suite or the club level where your ticket includes uh, food and alcohol. They were going to be discussing this down in Destin, San Destin, I'm sorry. People get upset about that down where we're from. But I think the common man, because a lot of these stadiums, or it's not stadiums, a lot of these schools aren't dry and you can drink on campus. Uh, They just limit it at athletic venues. I don't think this is right. Now, I, I can see why they're doing it. They don't want the fan base rowdy. But they let them get there nine hours before a, a night game, sometimes longer, and they got people drinking all day. Uh, they're going to be rowdy enough. So uh, what, do you, what do you think, Danny? I don't think it'll ever happen because there's, it's too heated of a rivalry. I mean, or rivalries. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, it's always kind of dumbfounded me the fact that there's, they haven't sold it, but I mean, I can kind of understand it, you know, with some of the fan bases, it's just, they're too, I guess I'm looking for a word here, um, loud and proud. And, you know, there would become a lot of issues and you're dealing with college students as well. You know, you'd have to worry about underage drinking and that stuff. But I do think the schools are leaving a lot on the table um, when it comes money-wise, a lot. Well, I've, I've I don't heard think some, it'll ever happen, though. I don't think it will. I've heard some good suggestions, and I, the one I like the most is leave it up to the individual school and let them decide. You know, at, at the school we went to down in, in Mobile, uh, it was a dry campus, but – um, the football stadium was off-site, so they had different set of rules. But the baseball stadium and basketball stadiums on campus, sports teams of the university, you could buy beer. You could it's, buy beer at it's those. It's not a dry county. Like Mississippi State would struggle because that's a dry county. Um, Starkville is the last time I've been there or was there. It was dry. It may have changed since then. But they're Star- already kind of Starkville is, not, Starkville is definitely not dry if you go and tailgate for a Mississippi State game. 
can you drink it? Can you drink on campus legally? Because I know I got in trouble back in when it was I was probably 21. because you were wearing no. some other teams. All I can tell you is I've gone and tailgated twice and drank both times and never had a problem. With we couldn't buy it anywhere near the school either, but we and that was nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I mean, I could. It could have changed since then. I don't know. I know we couldn't buy it, but you know they already have a problem with keeping up financially with all the bigger schools, anyways. You know True. they don't have all the booster donations and stuff. So if they are indeed a dry county, which, like I said, my past experience they were, um, but that the would really dry hurt county's got nothing to do with the school. That's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure the dry county will supersede whatever the school would want to do. Well, then what? If, I mean, then why not let Auburn or Alabama or anybody else? Money. Well, yeah, losing money. I mean, I'm just saying. I think I think it should be up to the individual school to decide if they want to let kids drink or not, or not kids, but people. Are you promoting underage drinking? No, never, never, never underage drink. Never have I ever drank alcohol under the age of 21. When I went to the Texas game this year, Texas versus Maryland, they sold beer there. I went to the Baylor-West Virginia game a couple years ago, too, and they sold alcohol as well. And it was great. Like, I mean, I had a good time. I drank while I was there, had fun. I mean, didn't really change the environment. But they're not nearly as rowdy as I would say the SEC games are. It's a whole different ball game. So they don't tailgate as well? They tailgate, but the game itself, like, Texas is student section. I don't know if you've ever seen the stadium, so – Texas Stadium holds over 100,000. I mean, it's a big stadium, and it's mainly three sides, and then there's one small side. Well, that small side is the student section, and it's never filled up, which is crazy to me because Texas is one of the largest public institutions in the country. I mean, it's a big school. And I don't know, you know, when I talked to Chris, my buddy that has season tickets, he said that was a student section. I don't know if there was an additional student section, but – it wasn't – there was not nearly enough people there. But, you know, you go to an Auburn game, and that bad boy is loaded. You can't even sit down. It's so packed. Well, what do you think about the fact that they do sell alcohol at the stadium, just not to the general public? Don't, to me, it seems a little a little class-based. Like, if you can Money afford a $1,000 ticket, you, you're allowed to drink alcohol. To me, it just doesn't seem right. It's money course, talks. You're right. Money talks, and the, the people that are in those suites are the guys that gave a million dollars to the football program. So, yeah, I mean, money talks, and it's. I think it's all. I don't know how it goes. Like I think that has to be in like a suite. I know when we were before we purchased our Auburn Tennessee tickets for this year, um, we were looking at that Nelson Club, and we were kind of joking around. It said food and drinks. I'm not sure that that would come with alcohol. You know, I think that's more based to, like, the big-level suites. Like, Josh went to the Auburn-Alabama game last year, and he his boss is a big Auburn alum and donates a couple million dollars a year. They had alcohol there, but I'm not sure if it's in the Nelson Club section. Yeah. So I don't know. So you don't think it's unfair? I mean, I went to a 2.30 kickoff. Auburn LSU years back, and you had to get in the student section by 11 30, 12 o'clock, and it was full. And so was there was hot. no time to pregame. And I will tell you that I saw plenty of people throwing up because they pregamed way too hard. 
Because they couldn't drink during the game. No, it was before. Before we even got in the stadium there. Yeah, I know, but you pregame pre hard because you know for three or four hours you're not going to have alcohol to drink. Oh, they bring it in. I watched this one chick. She rolled up her little sundress, and she had like a, an uh, ammo cartridge full of like uh, minis, like mini liquor bottles, dude. And she pulled it up. I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> I was like, who gave you that idea? She sat right next to me. It was funny. But when we go to that Auburn-Tennessee game, you're going to be pre-gaming hard because you're going to need to sleep through that game. Why is that? Boy, I don't know if you're ready for that beatdown. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And Danny keeps talking about how Auburn fans are classy and, you know, yeah, I don't have time. to worry because I'm a Tennessee fan. But I don't I don't know about that. You'll have a good time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we do. Uh, you know, money uh, definitely money don't money don't talk here, but they want they want money to talk to go see a game. Uh, I mean, so, realistically, per ticket, it wasn't that bad. No, for say now finding somewhere to stay is an act of God, but <laughs> yeah, people with one bedroom apartments think it's worth five hundred dollars a night before a football game. Ridiculous. But okay, so so we kind of differ on. Alcohol stadium sales. I, I think it you lean more towards it should be leave it up to the individual school, not the conference imposing this. Because I, I think LSU might pass it. You know, to go along with their party reputation, um, you're kind of okay with it. You know, elitist. Let let the rich people drink. Um, uh, let's move on to what do you think about? the SEC misconduct rule applying to high school kids. This was, this one is a Greg Sankey, who's the commissioner of the SEC. It's, it's one that he's kind of pushing a little bit. And I, I'm not going to lie. I like it um, with hey, this, hey, with everything that's been going on, you know, with Michigan state and all that with, you know, their players and their training staff and just in the world in general, if someone is charged with something, not someone that's been accused of something, if you've been charged with something, you know, I think uh, you should go find somewhere else to play, which is what the SEC miscon- major misconduct rule is. It's Right now it's just a transfer rule, and it basically says if you've committed basically a felony, you can't transfer into an LA, uh, SEC school. And they're thinking about uh, putting it into high school recruits as well. I think it's a great idea. I mean, obviously, you can't control kids once they get in college. Um, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure about some of those kids at Baylor or Michigan State or whatever happened in, in that, those particular situations. I don't know if those kids had any records. I know one of the Baylor kids did. Um, he had some issues before he came. But you know, I think it's a good thing. You know, maybe it'll level the playing field with everybody else in Alabama so they can stop having all those criminals on their team. Um, criminals? That You know that's Florida, right? Florida has the criminals. Oh, I think Alabama's got a lot more than you think. Why do, why do you think Urban Meyer left? I'm telling you, Alabama's got a lot of them. It's funny how uh, half Auburn, the kids Auburn get arrested. Biased. Well, if you screw up, like Sean White got arrested for drinking in public and being drunk in public, and he got kicked off the team immediately. Because he wasn't a starter anymore. Everybody knows this. But he still got kicked off the team immediately. 
I will say one thing about Gus is Gus runs a really clean ship, and he is a no BS kind of guy. Oh, that's right. Cam, Cam Newton was Gene Chizik. That's right. Cam Newton didn't rape or smoke pot or get drunk in public or do anything like that. What you're referring to is an, an alleged exchange of funds between <laughs> the school and his father, which he was cleared by the NCAA. You know, the only team that was ever broadcasted to have offered him money was who? Auburn. Wrong. It was Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the only team that was publicly announced to have offered him $280,000. But after no. he signed with Auburn, Daddy no. got two brand new churches or something like that. And That's you can't, all a rumor. You can't track, show me. You can't, show track, me. you can't track cash donations to a church. You show me where that was ever done. I will tell you that the only proven fact of the team that offered him money yeah. for services was Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State offered. said they would offer him like $180,000, $200,000 to go play there, and he didn't. So it's safe to assume that Auburn gave him more. You know Because what? You know, Dan Mullen was his coach. I'm going to tell you about assuming stuff. I, I don't know. I can't say it on this podcast. We're a clean podcast. Uh, exactly. You don't assume things. You wait till you get all the facts. And all the facts came out by the NCAA, and they cleared him to play, did they not? We could have a whole separate show about how I trust the NCAA and their findings. I mean, if you're going to complain about any team, you need to talk about the team that's beat you at 11 years in a row. Just because Nick Saban knows how to cheat better than everybody else. Exactly. Don't talk to me about Cam Newton. You need to talk about the team that keeps beating you because obviously his cheating is prevailing against Tennessee. Well, well when uh, the NCAA comes down on Nick Saban, we'll talk about it. Will it will never. It will never come down on him. It will be his successor. Well, I guess that's just the luck of the draw. It ain't luck. There's a reason why he's buddy-buddy with the NCAA guy. Uh, look at that jealousy just coming out of the Auburn fan. You know what? You I, know, if, I, Nick I Saban, a, if Nick Saban coached Auburn, I'll read, I'll read you a different. fun fact. Since yeah, go ahead. the 2000s, who leads the series between Auburn and Alabama? It's probably Auburn, Danny. It's tied. Okay. But everybody assumes who has the longest win streak in that time frame? Early 2000s or 2000? From 2000 to current, who has the longest win streak? Well, it's probably Auburn from that 03 to 07 stretch. You got to give them the thumb, baby. Six in a row. Yeah, it's Auburn. Auburn has yeah, six. Yeah, that I was think also the the terrible Alabama. Alabama. That was terrible Alabama teams. But when have they been good outside of Bear Bryant, Gene Stallings, and Nick Saban? They've been well, considering Bear trash. Bryant was there for like 25 years, and Nick Saban's been there almost 10 now, or over 10 now. Those are long stretches. Just saying that most people don't realize that everybody thinks that it's a one-way rivalry. In reality, it's not. But to get back on topic, because we could get, we could debate this all the time since you're half a bammer now. Nope. Nope. I just don't like sure. Auburn. I just don't like Auburn. Why? Because I like them? Yep. Pretty much. What do and I do? I can't you? stand Cam Newton. Cannot stand Cam Newton. Why? Because he's Superman's on you? Yeah, he thinks he's Superman. Why don't you dive on a fumble during the he Super dabs Bowl? on you? Why don't, he you, dabs why don't on you dive on a fumble instead of being scared? For those of y'all, since yeah, we're I'm a podcast audio only, Danny is performing the dab two years after it was <laughs> one out of style. 
Um, so yeah, we, we agree. I just think, you know, the only way this would really help college football is if every school, every major conference adopted it, but I could see it most and you know, it, it it's kind of hard to do it with the NCAA with high school kids because most of this would happen as juvies, so it would be a sealed record. So I don't know how well it could be implemented. I like the idea of it, but I just I think it could be hard with that to implement. Well, and I think part of the way that you recruit some of these kids is it, it can't be a hundred percent based on you know what they do on the field. You have to recruit them as people too, because. You know, you got to know what you're getting. I mean, is he coachable? You know, I don't care who you are as a high school prospect. You're not a finished product. You have to be developed. You have to be coachable. And, you know, that can kind of go and bat and tail with what, you know, some of the issues that some of these kids have. You know, they sure, they may be great athletes and stuff like that, but they still have to be coachable and you still have to understand what kind of person and player that you're getting. So you need to do your homework on it a little bit more. You know, and I think the SEC has done a pretty good job on most of these kids for the most part because they haven't gotten, you know, knocked on wood. They haven't – not that nothing's come down on it yet. But we'll see. I mean, I, I like the idea. I just don't – I don't think that you can 100% do that with high school kids because you're right, you can't get into their juvie record because it's – right. you can't look into it. Right. And I think the only SEC school to – come close to having the, you know, uh, a serious case of that was Tennessee with their Title IX um, lawsuits that they, they settled out of court. But two Tennessee players or former Tennessee players, one of them graduated, and I think the other one may have been ex- expelled or left school. But it was a rape investigation, and they still, I want to say this was three, four years ago, and they're still – their trial is just now about to start. So, um, yeah, the SEC schools have been lucky uh, with with the allegations and not having anything too major pop up on them. But that we know of, Auburn had some stuff that they they actually the other day. A lot of people don't realize that they extended Bruce Pearl for five years, but in reality, they also dismissed four athletic department guys that were key in the whole cover-up with the softball team, um, and guys and ladies, um, they dismissed four of them. And um, you're talking about the coach that was sleeping with his player? No, what, well, it was the, the coach's coach. son, and after he took a leave of absence from the program, he was still coming around, and, and apparently he was doing a lot of things and texting girls inappropriately. And I, I don't know the whole story about it, but I know there was a big cover-up on it. And that was part of the reason why Jay Jacobs resigned, you know, and the telling tale of that whole situation, as you can tell, he wasn't ready to resign. He just took a new role with Florida yesterday. (laughs) You know, he was forced out and they let him go out with dignity, which in my honest opinion, he didn't deserve. He was the dude. He kind of ran Auburn into some bad situations. That was the AD. Yeah, Jay Jacobs. He played it all. What, what did he sign on at Florida to do? Something to is doing marketing and different things with uh, Scott Strickland. Gotcha. I'm not sure his exact title, uh, but he'll work along with Strickland. To, mm. I mean, because Florida's so behind on their their pro like their 
facilities that oh they are they yeah. need some yeah. help. Um, and I mean Auburn's not the best either. I mean, but they're significantly better than what Florida is. I think everybody is. Well, as you like to point out, that the CEO of what Apple, mm-hmm. Google, what, which one is it, Danny? It's Apple. Oh, okay, that's right. The the CEO of Apple is an Auburn alum. He should but, that too. Yeah. Well, let's um moving along with the rules portion of this. Um, there has been discussion, which I think. I don't know. I don't think they pass anything on it, but they've talked about penalizing teams that are banned from postseason play. Right now, if you have a ban, you still get the postseason revenue sharing. And there's talks of you ex- being excluded from that pool. And say if two guy, two team, two schools are banned from postseason play then 12 teams cut up the revenue instead of the 14, which I think is a great idea. And it, it will make programs be more responsible for themselves because if a school misses out on $12, $15 million, say, you know, Vanderbilt doesn't, you know, nothing major happens with Vanderbilt, but if Vanderbilt misses out on $15 million, that's a big chunk of their change as compared to, you know, Alabama or Tennessee where they have the boosters to cover that. But I think, you know, Tennessee, if, I think if, Vanderbilt's a bad example because I think Vanderbilt's got a lot of alumni. Yeah, but, a, that's a rich school. But it's, it's a, a rich school academic too. school. It's a big medical school. It's not really a football, you know, program that, pe- that alumni are proud of. People that would go to Vanderbilt are proud doctors and stuff. It might be. I I I guess we could use Mississippi State as a better example. They're the Tennessee State champions in football this year. Did they beat Memphis? Did they They beat Tennessee State? They beat Tennessee. That's all. They beat beat Tennessee. Woo! Tennessee sucked this past year. Let's move on. (laughs) But I'm just saying, if if Mississippi State had a two-year bowl ban, and so that was $30 million they were missing out on, Heads sure. would roll. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, if they do stuff like that, like, I think there should be a little stricter repercussions on Ole Miss with all the stuff that they got in trouble for. I mean, they were doing some pretty shady stuff with their football program. I don't think it should be for, like, across the board academic, like, athletics. Maybe just the sharing of whatever the football is. I don't know if they can break that out. But, I, I mean, and I have a question and that I'm, I'm not necessarily – for sure on. So say Auburn goes to the Sugar Bowl. So they went, right. or they went, no, the Peach Bowl. They went to the Peach Bowl this last year. The New Year's Six game, the New Year's Six games always pay more than, say, the other games. Yeah. I think the payout was like $2 million or like, something. Uh, I think it's like $12 million. Well, I'm, I'm just saying for that game. So No, no, that's what that I'm saying. Go, I think for the Peach Bowl, you get $12, $12 million. Well, does that go? Does Auburn get that, or is that something that goes into the sharing? Um, I believe the way it happens is Auburn gets a percentage of that to cover travel, like their hotel, transportation, and you know, food and such, and then the rest of it goes into the SEC pool. The SEC uh, takes some takes some expenses out of that as well, and then the rest of it is put into the pool and it's divvied up between the league schools, all 14 league schools. I don't know if I like that because, you know, if 
it's Auburn playing in the game. I'm sure they're SEC school, but I thought the SEC share like the profit sharings were from SEC TV and all that stuff from the ESPN contract and then their contract with CBS and all that other stuff. I thought that's where they shared the money from, not necessarily from the bowl games. Well, it is, and um, right now I don't believe it is that way. I believe postseason probably gets thrown into everything as well. So I think that's what they're trying to say is should should your piece of the pie be smaller than what you would normally get because you wouldn't be added into the postseason sharing. So because you ha- you all play in the regular season, so you would get your SEC network money, you know, I, I – I want, probably everybody gets CBS money. I think everybody has to be on a CBS game. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. With the SEC network and an ESPN deal and the CBS deal, um, I thought that's what they shared rather than No, everybody shares the postseason the, money as well. Well, I, I, I thought it was – I don't know. We'll have to look that up because that's, that's an interesting topic, and I, I'm not sure of how that – necessarily goes i didn't know i thought that if you played in the bowl game you the, the institution got that money not the whole at least well, we can we can look it up for the next episode and also any listener wants to look it up and do this for us southern lodge one at gmail.com you can let us know uh so since since we're at a crossroad on that one we want to get a little clarification uh, we'll move on to our next topic and i think that's going to be uh, there's a new headset rule. It's not it's not an SEC rule. It's an NCAA rule. And I guess before it was like the Wild Wild West, everybody on the sideline could have a headset or a radio. And they include in this the uh, well, you can't have headset. You can't have uh, you can't have headsets and helmets like they do in the NFL. But they have uh, all the backup well, quarterbacks the on the sideline. No, no, what it. No, what it is is the quarterbacks. On you always see the sidelines with kids holding up the cue cards oh, or right. handing out hand signals. They always have headsets on. Well, the NCAA, I guess, in a uh, what is it a the competition equalizing of competition or whatever it is. Now they are twenty headset rule. Only twenty headsets. Fifteen for coaches, graduate assistants, four for players, and one for a non. Uh, coach, coach and a non-coaching role, so like an analyst, the play like tracker. Yeah, he's an intern, but whatever. I thought he was an analyst. Like Al Borges was an, an analyst for Auburn. What they do is they just track the plays and formations. I think it's particularly important on the defensive side of the ball, where they can actually like outline seeing what you're doing. You know, set a particular set and stuff right. like that. Um, well, I mean, it's important on both sides of the ball because if you run a certain formation, they want to, you know, they want to see what your what the defense lines up to attack that formation, and maybe you run a wrinkle out of it. But to me, this rule, I don't. Maybe I'm just not dialed in enough. But to me, if you've if you've got 15 headsets, so you got to divide that. You know, you got your head coach, and then it would be seven per offense and defense coordinator, defensive coordinator, linebacker. Uh, D line. Well, you're gonna secondary. get seven and seven. I mean, it's gonna be seven offense, seven defense. It, it'll go through. It'll you'll, It'll be a lot. I mean, but uh, the biggest thing and the where the 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 big name coaches are coming out against it is the fact that 
you can't have the analyst charting the plays, and I think that's everybody's issue with it. You know, they're going to find a way around it. It's just well, I mean, be they've already getting the analyst. They've got one headset allowed for that, and then four for players. So you get your backup quarterback. Yeah, you're asking one person to do the whole thing. What they're going to end up doing is making somebody. They're going to be in a separate room somewhere in the freaking stadium, and they're going to have a Bluetooth speaker, and the one person's going to have a headset. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't see – to me, I don't see what this rule does, and that's what I was saying. I don't know. I guess I'm not plugged in enough to know why – what's the difference between having 20 and 30 headsets. I also don't know what it helps either. What does it help? Right. You know, what does it, you know, what does it hurt? But then, when again, what does it help? Why – what is better – how is this bettering the game? Also, is this going to affect the telephone? Because sometimes, you know, when – the quarterback comes off the field. You see him pick up the telephone on the sideline. We get no, the telephone. To no, he's talking to the offensive coordinator. I think I what you're going to end up seeing is you're going to see a lot more people on the sidelines that were in the box so they can communicate differently. It could be. I of course, think, I, I'm a fan of coaches being on the sideline coaching and not up in the box. So it I depends. I like, I like the D.C. In the, in the box because – he could sit back and actually look and see the formations better rather than being on the field. You, you don't have quite the view. I know right. Kevin Steele sits in the box. He always is in the box. Right. Now, you know, I'm, I can see your, your two coordinators being up there, but, you know, your position group guys should be – they yeah, should be down there. I think there. most of the time they are. Yeah. I know Travis Williams from Auburn, the linebacker coach, um, he's on the field. Rodney Garner's on the field. Well, I know um, every time though. they show a booth at any game, there's 15 guys upstairs looking down at the sidelines. A lot of those field, are those analysts. So. A lot of them are the analysts. So they don't need a headset then. They just need to tell the coordinator what's going on. I don't know. I don't know all the logistics into it and how it all goes. So it'd be hard for me to say how much that actually helps and how much charting actually helps. I don't know. I don't. Right. I've never been a coach at a high level. I've never been a coach in general. I have not the slightest idea how that would help or hurt the game. Um, but apparently it's a pretty big deal because, like I said, some of the big-name coaches have come out and really blasted the NCAA about it. Well, how much of that, too, is just them having, you know, a, you know they've got college head coaches are almost one step from God – in the SEC and on a lot of, you know, big programs across the country, how much of it is them, you know, it meaning something, and how much of it is it them just not wanting to give some of their power away? I don't know. I mean, we're going to see and what kind of um, – how it hurts or helps the game. I mean, season's right around the corner. And, right. You know, you're going to see maybe it hinders your halftime adjustments, which – Clearly, Gus is not having many guys up there charting plays because halftime adjustments are non-existent. Um, but they, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it helps or hurts. I don't know. Well, I guess I guess we will see. Um, let's switch gears. We've been mainly talking about football because you know that's king of the SEC. But uh, the SEC is a proud sports conference and many disciplines uh you've got the you've got baseball going on right now the sec i believe has eight teams in the super regional and the only thing that stinks there is three of the super regionals three of the eight have sec against sec and then um in softball you had nine teams make the super regional of course florida state just won the softball national championship 
So Danny Cannell was, is insufferable because I believe, I wish I, I need to go back and check this video, but Cannell has been all over Twitter because apparently the broadcasters throughout the entire game kept calling Tallahassee Tuscaloosa. And they said, and they, they must have said that title was going to Tuscaloosa instead of Tallahassee because Danny Cannell has been all fired up. Uh, Another like note. We had the SEC player, an SEC school had the number one player in the major league draft. That's right. Uh, uh, an Auburn player was taken number one overall, which uh, the SEC, uh, you had Dansby Swanson taken number one overall by Vander, out of Vanderbilt by the Diamondbacks. He was traded to the Braves. Uh, you had this Mize kid number one overall. Uh, last year or the year before, Tennessee had the number two player taken in uh, Nick Senzil. He was taken by the Reds. He's about to be moved up to the uh, to the show. Price was taken number one overall. Price was taken number one overall. Vandy's had a bunch of them. Vandy's a hell of a baseball school. Yeah, and uh, what's apparently scary there is I think they might have had the number one recruiting class. LSU had the number two recruiting class. And see, that's what's different between baseball and football and all these other sports is – uh, they recruit these kids. So Tennessee has the number eight recruiting class in baseball right now, but three of our top players were ta- or our top three of our top players were taken in the first five rounds of the draft. And the number one fifty, the kid that was drafted one hundred and fifty first, he's already declared for the MLB. So you may have this great class, but heck, half your half your draft class could get drafted early. And then be gone, and you don't have such a great draft class anymore. Which yeah. it's kind of a catch twenty two. You want to have the best draft class you can, but at the same time, your best players may not show up to campus. Auburn um, was fourth last year. Yeah, but but speaking of that, um, Tennessee and Auburn were two of the big surprises in college basketball last year, especially in the SEC. I believe Auburn was picked to finish ninth in the conference, and Tennessee was picked to finish thirteenth. They ended up uh, being co-SEC regular season champions, and Tennessee actually played Kentucky for the tournament title. Um, And speaking of Kentucky, that is a major rule that looks like it's about to get changed. It looks like in 2020, the one and done will be gone, and kids, uh, it's looking like they're going to be allowed to go to the NBA right out of high school. Um, The G League. Well, the G League is picking up. Uh, they're starting to pay a little bit more. But I think I, they should do it. I think it's, you know, don't you put a lot of resources into a kid for him to be there for a year? You know, make them they make it like football. You got to play for three years. You know. Well, I've I've always said this. I think it should be like college baseball. You if you leave out of high school, good. If you go to college, three years. And then you can uh, you can be redrafted. Of course, you know, baseball is a little different than basketball because they have 50, 80-something rounds to pick, but uh, basketball is only two. You know, they may have to go to three or four rounds because if you take a, a junior and he doesn't go, he goes back. It's a wasted pick. No one wants to waste a second-round pick on that. But that's, that's my thought is if you go out of high school to the NBA, great. But if you go to college, you need to stay three years. Right, because I, I agree. I, I think mean, it helps the kids too. I, I think staying a little longer will help you develop your game more. 
Well, I think that's what's wrong. Well, there's a lot of things wrong with today's NBA, and one of them is AAU ball and ISO scoring and uh, kids just not learning fundamentals on how to run plays and how to, you know, how to move without the ball in their hand. Everybody, it looks like in – they either want to shoot the three or they want to drive to the hole and you can watch games. And if a kid doesn't have a ball in his hand, he's just standing there watching what the, watching what the kid with the ball has. And that's, that's, that's the offense, you know, it's kid. They don't, they don't run plays like they used to. Right. No, I don't disagree. I don't watch a lot of the, I mean, I watch some college basketball, but it's not the top priority on my list. I mean, but when with going the one and done, I think they are making the right decision to say that you got to stay for three years. If you right. go to college, you need to stay for three years because most of the time, being in a big Division One, you got to go. You got to take classes all year round anyway, so you'll graduate in three years if you're worth a crap. Most kids do, yeah. Um, I don't know how it will affect you know. Calipari at Kentucky, he was he was famous for making the one and done work. I mean, he had Derrick Rose and Anthony Davis, uh, Demarcus Cousins, Ron, not, not Rondo, um, John Wall. I mean, uh, Calipari's made a living on the one and done. Anthony of course, Towns, Carl yeah. Anthony Towns. I mean, There's he a bunch did of them. At, I think he's going to struggle with it because his team this year wasn't as good. Would he lose one player? Is that Fox kid? Mm, they lost a couple. I think it was just five. Well, they haven't had the draft yet, so we'll see. I mean, there's still well, the deadline. A couple. The deadline's passed. Either you, if you didn't sign an agent and you were testing the waters, mm. you had to either stay into the draft if you and you don't get drafted, you're SOL. Yeah. I mean, like Auburn had their whole entire team basically come back, except for one kid who transferred back home because his mom's sick. Everybody else had a poor. You know, what about the kid that didn't play last year because of Austin whatever? Wiley? Yeah. He's coming back. Oh, okay. But he's cleared now, but he didn't play last year? Yep. Okay. Tennessee brought everybody back, too. Yeah. Yeah. We whooped y'all's ass the first time. We can do it again. Hmm. Hmm. Who made it farther in the tournaments? Hmm. I'm pretty sure we went to the same round, didn't we? Maybe the NCAA, but not the <laughs> SEC tournament. Actually, we may have gone further in the NCAA I, tournament. I don't think you did. Because I know what team got y'all. Loyola, a Final Four team. <laughs> Who did we lose to? I believe it was Clemson. Was it Clemson? I think it was. Yeah, it was Clemson. I think we both lost the round to 32. Yeah, Tennessee was a heartbreaking buzzer beater. I'm pretty sure Clemson destroyed y'all by like 30 points. But I mean, a loss is a loss, bro. Just like a win's a win. But who won the head-to-head? Well, Auburn did, but you know Tennessee players were hurt and everything. So. No, well, our best two players were suspended. You can go eat one because that's you'd have no excuse. You lost. Yes, SEC Player of the Year is on Tennessee's team, not Auburn. So, Coach of the Year, Tennessee. Sixth Man of the Year, Tennessee. Still lost to Auburn. Hmm. We'll see. There's a there's a nice home game at the Auburn Arena this year. Tennessee and Auburn. We can go to the jungle, bro. Is that what y'all call the gym? That's what they call it, the jungle. Oh, goodness. We can take a, your picture in front of Cam Newton's statue and Charles Barkley. 
I'm maybe gonna, put I'm, it in front of the uh, Bo Jackson statue. But I don't know if you're ready for greatness. Uh, yeah, greatness. Um, how long did he play in the NFL? He still recognizes. He still recognizes probably the greatest athlete ever. Because of a marketing campaign. No. If it wasn't for the Bo Knows Best marketing campaign, he wouldn't be considered. He would have been considered a great player, but not an all-time athlete. It was the Bo Knows campaign that set Bo Jackson up. He still has the fastest recorded 40-time in combine history. Unofficial. Still the fastest. Unofficial. Still the fastest. Of course, Tennessee track star Kurt Coleman, or... Uh, no, not uh, no. What is it? Christian Coleman. Uh, Mr. He ran Tennessee in, super fan. He ran it in How many like Tennessee four games seconds. Have you been to? So, huh? How many Tennessee games have you been to? What? Why do you have to go to a game to be a fan? I'm just asking, super fan. Um, uh, none. Thank you. Uh, I've seen Tennessee well, I, play at Mississippi that. State. We're changing that this year. I've seen We're Tennessee play at Mississippi year. State. So. I'll accompany you to a Tennessee game. You can stay with me. We'll drive up there, and we'll go. We're go uh, I'm going in uh, next year, 2019. Mississippi State's playing at Tennessee. We're going to take we Aaron. We can go this year. We can go this no, year. No, no, we can't go this year. I'm running out of vacation time. Use it wisely, bro. Uh-huh. All right, so that's the one-and-done rule. Of course, we strayed into some other topics, just how much basketball sucks. Um, another big thing, this doesn't, I mean, it's, it's got to do a little bit with college, but it's got to do with basically every sport in the country or in the world. But they legalize sports betting in the United States, not just in Vegas. And everybody is losing their minds about it because they're worried about the integrity of the game and the NBA wants 1% of all bets placed on it, which is ridiculous. If I was if I was a state, I'd be like, you'll get nothing and like it. Uh, what are you going to do, not play the game? Um, and what are they going to do? What are they going to do, say, we're going to move your team out of your state if you, what are they, if you don't give us 1%? It's just sure. ridiculous. I mean, they got to make their money, too. I mean, if they're going to legalize it, everybody's got to have their hand in it. You know it. You know it's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, they already make billions of dollars off TV. Well, they're going to make more because they're going to get their share of it. I think it's a great idea. I like. I think it's a fantastic idea. I will be placing some bets. People have been doing. I mean, people have bookies all the time. I mean, I've had bookies for forever. So I, I know I would partake in, took partook in some of that. I think I every, like well, I don't. I think a lot of people have, but it's it's I, fun. I mean, dude, it makes it kind of gives you a little bit more, you know, interest into a game. I never bet on Auburn because you don't bet on your team because you bet with your heart, not your brain. On that case, I learned true. that quick. I mean, I don't bet on Alabama games either because I just want them to lose, so I pick them to lose the spread every time, and I lose. Um, well, I but think, I, I think it gives it's kind of like. Some, added motivation to it i mean i had like a five team parlay last year and i was like one game away from winning like turning 25 bucks into like 2000 or some crazy crap like that mm. off one bet and i was one game away like i was so mad it was the texas game yeah i don't think texas covered their spread 
So I think it'll be like fantasy that. football. I mean, fantasy football, you, you're a diehard Saints fan or a diehard Cowboys fan, but you have whoever they're playing that week. Yeah, you want the Saints to win, but you want your – this other team, you want the, the player on the other team to do good as well. But um, I agree with you. I think it, it'll it'll turn into the degenerate the degenerate gambler going and placing his bets. It'll and it'll turn into mom and pop and every all these younger kids going and placing their ten dollar bet or you know twenty dollar bet up at the the betting hall. So. I put like I think last year I did like fifty or hundred bucks and then I just played throughout the season. I do a lot of those parlays because they then obviously they pay out better and then you know from there you can uh, you can make a little bit more money. I don't go crazy with it just same way I don't gamble a lot because it is what it is. I just I never win so I don't play a lot. I just play a little money and you know have fun with it. I mean I think that's the idea of it. I mean that's why I do it is it's just it. It makes it more fun. I do. And, and it'll make you more involved in other games right. that you normally wouldn't watch. So, in fact, it would increase TV presence because people are going to be watching to make sure their games are going the way they are. That's right. So the NBA I, can shove it. I like it, man. I, I think it's fun, but that's just me. I know some people – and our neck of the woods, the Bible Belt, not necessarily agree with some stuff. Just like our wonderful state doesn't have the lottery or casinos or anything like that. Um, well, oh, I, I think it's a ridiculous argument that people throw out that now that gambling has been legal, sports betting has been legalized throughout the country, that it's going to somehow affect the inte- integrity of the game when – I mean, in the 80s and, you know, all the 70s, you had the mob up in the New England region making people shave points. And I think, what was it, Arizona State had a point-shaving scandal with one of their players. I mean, the people that people that bet real money on games have been doing it. This isn't going to add too much new big money to it. Um I don't, and I, I'm not saying that I don't think it would raise the amount of players that are bribed to shave, throw a game or shave some points here or there just because now everybody can bet on it. The reason games get thrown, the reason points get shaved or whatnot is because the big betters were doing it. And I mean, they've been, they were doing it way before it was legalized. So I don't think there'll be a new a new reason for people to cheat just because it's legal across the whole country for everybody now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It'd be, it, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I think it'd be fun. I gotta start watching what Floyd money Mayweather puts his bets on. Cause he seems to win a lot, but he also plays with like bets, like a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I'll tell you what bet you don't take with Floyd money Mayweather. And that's his bet against the IRS. Uh, the man cannot pay his taxes. So, oh. Come on. He's also the highest paid athlete last year. Then why does he have tax problems? Apparently he has receipts shown that he paid them. He, he still owes money to the IRS. Who did you get? Who's your source? The internet. Is the internet, is the internet always right? MSN.com. Is the internet always right? It's a news website. It's not so, Mayweather's what about, what about, I mean, 
The internet's not always true. I mean, unless the IRS came comes out and says it. What did I tell you earlier? What did your mama tell you about assuming things? I don't. I don't assume things. I read things. And they're not always true. Uh, I know Floyd Mayweather tried to throw up, say he had a million dollar check in his bag, and when he pulled it out, it said six hundred and fifty dollars. What if? What if there's something on the internet saying you like boys? Untrue. But. That's you saying that. What if everybody else believed it? Because it's on the internet. Is it documented? Do they have IRS bills? I mean, I mean, they, they have... could have a credible source. Well, they obviously wouldn't have a credible source, but they could have a credible source. I'm just telling you. This don't is a always very believe weird of, This is a very weird line of questioning for a sports and outdoor podcast. <laughs> I'm just you're just assuming a lot of things, and I'm not sure. Is it really assuming when it's been proven that he's had problems with the IRS in the past? But did the IRS say it? Yeah. No, before his fight, not. they go, before the, his last mega fight, they were like, they, everybody said, and the IRS came out and said, we have foregone taking payment until he gets paid for his next fight. I didn't think the IRS legally could say anything about he's, it. He's, and matters. it's already being talked about that he's going to have to fight again to pay for more of his debt. I didn't think it was legally possible for them to disclose any of their information. Well, their sources. Like just I said, like with my example like these with kids, you, I just can like, come up with a few sources. Just like high school kids, they never come out, but people know where they're going to commit before they commit. Sources. Hey man, you don't always trust your sources. Don't always trust them, except on mine on the NFL draft. Oh, yeah, you're a cheater. <laughs> it was against the rules what that man was doing, and he got caught. And didn't happen after like pick fifteen anymore. But anyway, let's we'll move on to the debate section at the Southern Lodge. Uh, on our last episode, we we got a little movie list going, and we had we had a good time discussing that. So we figured we would continue. And probably from episodes here on out, unless we just get bored with it or run out of things to argue about, we're going to try to bring some kind of list, a little discussion into the show at the end to end it on a light note. Today, since uh, since it is baseball season and the NCAA tournament's going on, uh, we're going to do a little baseball list. And, you know, we're going to give our top three players, and, and we've narrowed it down to our lifetimes because it's really hard if you went to the beginning of baseball time because you would have to have Babe Ruth and uh, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams. I mean, there's just there's a Mount Rushmore of baseball that you just can't overcome. So we're going to go with our lifetime and. I think we're going to do it a little differently this week. Since there's only two of us and we only have three names that we're giving out, we're going to go 3-3-2-2-1-1. Danny, who do you have as your number three player? I have John Flamethrower Smoltz. That is my number three. I loved watching. Are all three of your players going to be Braves players? No. Okay. Why is John Smoltz number three? I like John. I mean, John was always – he was a great starter for the longest time. And I believe he had Tommy John surgery and came back to be one of the most dominant closers in baseball history. Um, I believe he's the first – Dominant one of the first, closer. 
During his time, he was. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, that's that's saying a lot. Was he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I need to. Sure I mean, I mean, well, I know the reason he made it is because it, his numbers weren't the best. Anything because he did split time between pitching, between starting and saves. He's the only player ever to have 150 wins and 150 saves. So, but I don't think he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Danny's fact checking real quick, everybody. Smoltz was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility in 2015. Must have been a slow year. He was the first starting pitcher since 1987 to be elected despite having fewer than 250 wins and only one Cy Young Award. I think he was fantastic. And that was glory years of the Braves. With him and Maddox and Glavin. and 13 division titles, one World Series win, yeah. That was glory years. I can't stand the Braves. Who do you like? I'm an Indians fan. Why? Well, my mom's family's from Ohio, and my favorite movie growing up was Major League, so. <laughs> That's what I'm Chief, hearing. You're Chief Wahoo till I die. Then you bring Chief Wahoo back. I don't care. He's not a racist symbol. Bring Chief Wahoo back. You're a Charlie Sheen fan. I'm a wild thing. That's right. Uh, all right. So my number three was the unit. Big Randy Johnson. Uh, Hall of Famer. First ballot. Almost unanimous. Uh, him and Kurt Schilling single-handedly almost uh, beat the Yankees for their World, for his World Series ring with the Diamondbacks. Ten-time All-Star. World Series champion. Five Cy Young Awards. He won four straight at one point with the Diamondbacks. World Series MVP, Triple Crown, which means he led uh, the league in wins, ERA, and strikeout strikeouts. And he's a four-time ERA leader, uh, nine-time strikeout leader. I believe, I believe he's number two in strikeouts all time, or at least he's top five. Um, he's got he's a member of the 300 win. Uh, club so I just remember Randy Johnson being six foot ten and throwing a ninety five mile an hour slider and nobody and people being scared to stand in the batter's box with him. My number uh, one wasn't. We'll get to that. There's gonna be discussion about Danny's number one. Or player. my number two. Oh goodness. Uh then who is your number two? The captain, bro. Second Braves player. Wrong. Come on. The captain is Derek Jeter. I'm not even a Yankees fan. I hate the Yankees, but Derek Jeter had one of the best careers ever. I mean, he's he's up there. That's the reason why nobody will ever wear number two again. In, in New York, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was he – was trans- I mean, just Derek Jeter's overall career was fantastic. I, I love Derek Jeter's clutch. I mean, I'm not a Yankees fan, but you can respect a guy for having an overall great career. I don't have all the stats that you had on Randy Johnson, but I'm just going off players that I respected. I thought they were the best at their position, and through my lifetime, I used to like the baseball a lot when I was a kid, and Derek Jeter was always that guy that you hated playing against because you knew he was going to come in clutch. Well, yeah, I mean, he had the hits. He had he had some spectacular plays. I think he pretty much patented the, the spin from uh, – from shortstop, uh, of course, I believe that one of his his biggest publicized plays, which was 
oh, uh, was it the 01 ALCS against Oakland where they threw out Giambi at the plate? I'm going to have to say that was the wrong call. He was safe at the plate, and the ump made a bad call because it was New York. But uh, I can see Jeter being up there. Yeah, yeah. I like – that's a good call. Um, he, he, did, he had a long career. He won – he won a lot of games. Of course, he was, I mean, he was a contact hitter, which, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But, all right. So, my number two player, Pedro. Uh, for a three- or five-year stretch, Pedro was with arguably one of the most dominant pitchers ever. I mean, Pedro came up during the steroid era, and he still put up in very impressive numbers. Uh, I believe he in one year he had a, like a 1.5 ERA when everybody else was at least, I think, 2.5. I think he was almost a run lower than everybody else in, during the steroid era. Um, he, uh, he was also a triple crown winner. Uh, he, he was an ERA leader a lot. Uh, of course, he brought the Red Sox one of their first world titles in what was it, 86 years. Um, I just remember Pedro being being the small guy that went out there and struck people out, and people people knowing that Pedro was on the mound. I mean, it was was he going to strike out ten? Was he going to strike out seventeen? Uh, you, you just knew Pedro was that little Dominican ball player that was gonna was gonna go out there and get to win. Uh, I'm gonna... I like that one. I mean, Pedro was good. He's a feisty guy too. Yeah. He beat up that Yankees uh, bench coach. Yeah, that wasn't his fault. That man charged him. Pedro Pedro defended himself. <laughs> My number say, one is I'm a Braves fan, and I think probably the best Brave ever. Oh, thank goodness. I, Danny, Danny played a joke on me. He told me he was going to have Barry Bonds at number one. <laughs> But mine's gonna be Chipper Jones. I loved Chipper Jones as a kid. Chipper was my favorite player. Always liked Chipper. Chipper was consummate pro. You know, he did always did the right things. He was always spectacular. Even when he got older, he was good. But growing up, that was my favorite player. So that's why I'm gonna stick with Chipper. No Detroit Lions for Danny. Mm. Detroit Lions is not a baseball team. Oh, my bad. Detroit Tigers. Some kind of pussycat. I don't know. Uh, My number one player is going to be the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., the sweetest swing there ever was. Griffey came up during the steroid era, and he was clean. It hit 630 home runs. Uh, If you – if anybody remembers watching Junior during the early years before his body started breaking down a little bit, there was no ball in the outfield that he couldn't track down and catch. I mean, he, he climbed walls to catch balls. Um, it, it was just spectacular. Um, and, I, I, you know, no one – he hit 630 home runs, which, which is a magnificent feat no matter what Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa have done to taint the long ball. Um, sure, Sammy's name's not Sandra now. Oh goodness! No, he's he's just white. <laughs> I thought he's a woman now. No, he just he's somehow gotten lighter. 
We don't. They don't know. They don't know what's going on. But yeah, if you look at Sammy Sosa, 1998 version compared to 2008 version, he's definitely a lot lighter. <laughs> but I think that's one thing that shows why Griffey was natural because as he got older, instead of hitting 60 home runs a year or 70 home runs a year, he actually was dealing with injuries. And if he would have been on HGH and steroids, his body either would have healed itself or he just would have. He wouldn't have got hurt in general, so I've got the kid is probably the best pure baseball players in my lifetime so, so far. So I'm gonna give you a curveball. Who's the best player ever? Ever? Ever. Ever. Well, that's a tough question. It's a tough question. Um, I think Babe Ruth's the best home run hitter ever. Um, just for the just for the fact that he everybody says Hank Aaron but if you look at the numbers Hank Aaron took almost 2000 more at bats to hit uh, I don't even know I think I can I don't even know what Hank's number is but I know it took it took him 2000 more at bats to hit 714 than it did to, for Babe Ruth to do it um, the best ball player ever hmm that's hard I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can put people from Babe Ruth's generation are a little different. Everybody says it's because of the color barrier, and it's also because that's true too. But I don't think that's got as much to do with it. I mean, black players. Just best baseball player. Just fire it off. I would go with Griffey. Griffey is the best baseball player ever. If you had to put. If you see, that's the thing. Like you can't take Babe Ruth and put him in today's game like you just can't because players are you know they didn't work out the way they did they don't work they don't they didn't work out like they do now like well, there's an argument saying that he could be better because he was more natural he just played the game he didn't do all the training and stuff like that well that's there's true too but Babe Ruth didn't see 99 consistently he also I mean Damn. he swung a lot heavier bat than what they swing now too so he might still drop bombs. I'm not saying well, who, very Well, who do you have as the best ball player of all time? I'd probably say Ted Williams. Ted Williams or Mickey Mantle. I think Ted Williams is one of the few that could transition into today's game. Pete Rose, too. I like Pete Rose. I don't care what anybody says about him. Pete Rose is a machine. Well, Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. He never He's bet against his team. He's still a machine. I, I don't care what anybody says about Pete Rose is up there. Um, Roger Maris is kind of an underrated guy that a lot of people don't say anything about. That's because Roger Maris had really the one good season. I mean, he had some other decent ones, but he's really known for 60 and Nolan that's it. Ryan. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, forget about Nolan Ryan. I like Nolan Ryan because you charge a mile, you're going to get your ass whooped. That's true, too. Of course, the thing with Nolan Ryan was the walks. Uh, he walked if you had a lot to be of people. A, if you had to be a baseball player, I'd put you as Jose Canseco. I was watching. The I figured you would have said Pudge Rodriguez. No, I was going to say Jose because I was watching a highlight the other day when he was in the outfield and trying to catch a fly ball and hit him straight on the top of the head and it went over the fence. That's one of my favorite bloopers ever. Like I think that's so funny. Danny Danny acts like he went to the uh, NFL or the MLB, and he's just this great athlete that played college ball and dominated everybody. You want to see a summer softball player? You look up Danny. That's right. Drop bombs, baby. That's I right. need to play softball again. He's got to get the man feelings going again. I like softball. Softball's a lot of fun to play. 
Yeah, he's that baseball D-bag that's got to get that glory back by playing softball in front of the softball girls. Well, I think that's just about all the time we have today for today's show before we get Danny catching them feelings about yesteryear. Oh, gosh. Uh, Don't know when we'll be back. Uh, We're going to try and get Aaron on for another episode uh, maybe next week or maybe uh, towards the end of this week. But I think that's all from the Lodge today. So we'll see you all next time at the Southern Lodge. War Damn Eagle. (laughs) I'm trying to think of something funny to say. Welcome, Chastity, to the stage.